Uh, massive alert, massive alert. We have been gone a while, but we're back. Oh my God, the little things popped up to say a new episode has arrived. I bet you've been waiting for this for weeks, even maybe years. But here's our latest episode of How to Hustle with Talent Atelier. I'm Rachel, and as always, I'm joined by my brilliant colleague, best friend and conscience, Joe Gilmore. This episode is focusing on scaling the career ladder while considering or actually being a parent. We had a jolly old time talking to our guests about what to do when you're wanting to achieve a certain level in your career, but fall pregnant unexpectedly or are planning things and it's bloody hard work to plan becoming a mum or a dad um, and how to also control the narrative about dropping the mic when things happen like your kid's sick which is every day for me. If you're looking for ideas about how to approach your maternity or paternity leave, then we have a podcast that's already recorded for you, Ready Baked, with our wonderful HR friend, Elma O'Reilly. And we'll put that info into the show notes, but I'll leave you now to listen. Let us know what you think on podcast at talentatelier.com. Uh, okay, so today's guests are Kirsty Hathaway, a chief content officer who started her career in publishing before transitioning to agency land at Analog Folk. Uh, she then went to Refinery29. I remember when we met you, you were like literally a team of one and then became part of the international team um, before shifting to Albright. And she is now consulting uh, for Cycle and Rimmel. And we've also got Gemma Doyle with us. Uh, Gemma's originally a lawyer. She then did an MBA, went to Netta Porter before transitioning into working for a family fund, which leaned into fashion and beauty. Um, she's also been the CEO of a luxury CBD business called Apathem. And she's also currently consulting as well. Thank you so much for joining us, both of you. We really appreciate it. Um, both are obviously here because they are mums of young children. It'd be a bit daft if they weren't. So, uh, And they're also brilliant career-minded women. Um, and so we're really excited to be speaking to them today about uh, scaling the career ladder while you are considering becoming a parent. Uh, not an easy task, but let's, uh, yeah, let's have a chat. So um, one thing that we started off doing when we were planning this podcast was we did a little poll on LinkedIn. I don't know if you've done one yet. They're quite fun. Mm, I love a poll. I love mm. a poll. Um, and we asked people just in general if they had stayed put or shifted if they were planning on becoming a parent or a parent. 68% stayed put, 38% followed their dreams. So there was a mixture of men and women that answered that question. But generally, the conversation that we have is that people are really, really nervous when we approach them about changing jobs. Like a lot of a lot of the jobs that we work on are ending up with the talent kind of being at the age where they're either they either have kids or they're thinking about having kids and it makes life a little bit difficult yeah. doesn't it? because yeah. we're like we have to take into consideration the family process as well just in case and it's uh, and it's hard work so maybe we should kind of focus on your backgrounds and like your experience so far within the working world so Kirsty, give us a top line about you and your career and what you've kind of where you are right now with your career um well I you know it's interesting because when you have kids, things definitely do change. Mm -hmm. um, I, when I had my first child, I was at Refinery29, mm -hmm. which was definitely set up in a really amazing way and very encouraging yeah. of, of mums. And I was really fortunate to have my boss, who's Kate Ward, and she was on maternity leave when I mm. felt pregnant uh, and she was incredibly okay. supportive. Yeah. And actually going back to work, she helped structure 
my working week. So mm-hmm. it would really work for me. And also we kind of, I came back to a promotion and really helped kind of like oh, wow. make sure that that was kind of the right job because mm-hmm. she was very focused on the fact that I had to really enjoy my job to be mm-hmm. able to leave my child every day to come. And to want come, to go back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really kind of, positive experience um and did you plan like obviously you trying to like we call this family planning like Mm. lol it's really difficult to like plan if you're going to get pregnant if you can get pregnant going through that process but you mentioned when we chatted kind of offline earlier that you had waited to a specific point in your career before you considered having kids and Gemma I think you were the same weren't you so had you how what made you realize like okay now is the time I'm now at this certain level or was it the supportive environment of where you were working that you felt that you could get to there? Yeah, I think it was a kind of a mixture of things. You know, I just got married. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 35 when I got married. Okay. So I was definitely thinking, right, OK, we, you know, we, want, same, we want to yeah. have children. Um, I'd been at Refinery for a couple of years. I felt very established there and I, I felt like a really a great environment to be able to have mm-hmm. children in. Had you hired a team beneath you at the time as well? Yeah, luckily. As you said earlier, I was a team of one, but managed to, like, by that <laughs> point... And it was interesting because by that point, I had built up a team. Um, I mean, we were growing quickly, right? We were yeah. growing really quickly. And while I was on maternity leave, we grew exponentially and I was definitely made sure I was we involved. We should circle back to that because yeah. I'm really interested in knowing how you felt while you were on mat leave hiring people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely an interesting one. And then I guess where I am now is consulting really works for me from a flexibility point of view. I now have two children mm-hmm. and it, it gives me flexibility. You know, the money's good, which is obviously important because children are really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not averse to a full-time job, but you're very aware of culture and mm-hmm. you're very aware of what the um, kind of rules are, you know, there's still some companies that are pretty kind of strict and and expectation placed on you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there's also the thing of going back to work or going to a new job that first six months, you really feel like even though your kind of track record proves yourself, you still have to prove yourself in that job and being able to have the kind of ability and energy Mm -hmm. to do that. You were in a very different position, weren't you? I was. Were you planning what happened? No, I had just spent an obscene amount of money on a full-time MBA course at LBS and um, out of nowhere became pregnant and was sort of planning to go and do, you know, like a a summer placement at an MBA Mm programme in LA, which obviously didn't happen. Um, So, yeah, I had to... Really, I was... Everybody expected me to then sort of take a year off during mm-hmm. my MBA and because it's a two-year course, so sort of have a third year. And I was just like, absolutely no way am I doing that. Like, I'm going to have this baby and mm. I'm going to graduate with my class. I'm going to do my internships. Um, Did it make you more determined? It made me absolutely more determined to yeah. prove to everybody. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that probably overtook actually looking after myself because mm. hindsight's a powerful thing right and actually it wouldn't have been so bad if I had done it in three years and really just taken a year off but I was it's my personality really I'm very like right I'm gonna do this yeah um what made you decide to do the MBA in the first place then because you were so you were a lawyer and then you wanted to transition more to yeah. like the corporate world right? I wanted to get into con- luxury <coughs> consumer I uh, okay. couldn't do it for various reasons um, with my background. I've been very niched into finance. And if you want to go into luxury consumer, you have to do, you know, some corporate work, some IP work. I didn't have that in my locker. So decided to really just take a punt and go and do an MBA and started um, consulting for this like early stage luxury sustainable startup. I mean, 
the law firm that I was at, they all thought I was absolutely bonkers when I did it. But I was like, you know, had this dream. I wanted to go and try and make it work. Um, so when I finally got on the MBA and I got pregnant, it wasn't the best timing, um, but decided I was going to make it work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, at the law firm, I didn't have many positive female role models. That was a, one of the reasons why I kind of came out of that world. And so... I would, didn't know what to expect in this new consumer world because I hadn't really experienced it and I was pregnant and I was nervous to go to interviews for the internship that I had to do between the, the school years. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I, I turned up to my interview with Nessa Porter four and a half months pregnant. It was very clear that I was pregnant. How did they react? They didn't say anything. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, at least you were interviewing with someone yeah. like Netta Porter where yeah. they are, like, they know their HR practices. They said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually say anything because it was for a three-month internship, which was going to finish before yeah. I was going to give birth. birth. Okay, yeah. So they knew, I knew, but we didn't talk about it. And, um, th but that, I was so lucky. I, you know, I worked for Lee Cranfield, who's now, I think, chief yeah. buying a merch officer there. She's just the best person to work for in that position. She taught me how to be the right boss for women in this situation. So, yeah, she was amazing. Oh, what a great experience. Yeah. It's really nice to hear that you both had positive female role models. Yeah. Um, because often I tend to find that it's female role models that should be that are sometimes in a, pla in a place where they're like, well, I've coped with it. I've got two kids. You just got to get on with it. And it's not the, I mean, you're both nodding at me, so I'm guessing that you've seen this kind of in practice. It's just yeah. really, it always makes me really sad because I just think there's such a job to be done for people to create this positive, empowering place where women can have children and then go back to work. And there's a structured kind of going back to work process and no one's feeling stressed out about it. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't know, like the, the framework of going back, how did you both feel? Like Kirsty, you were going mm. back into Refinery Twenty Nine, and you mentioned that you were involved in hiring process and things when you were off, and then you were going back into a much bigger team. Like, how did you feel going back, and how did you structure your entry back into the workplace? Um, well, so Kate and I kind of worked up this kind of new job, mm -hmm. and what I did was put together an email that sent out to the whole team about how I'm coming back, how I'm working, what my roles and responsibilities are, what I'm going to be involved in, to give everybody clarity, which was very greatly received because a lot of people just go back in and everybody's like so what's happening now and especially when there's been a big time of change you know how I, long did you take off nine months mm -hmm. and I was really involved in hiring because you know when you're running a creative team you're only as good as your team and it's yeah. super important that you're hiring completely yeah the right skill set the diversity of skill set we were launching a kind of the internal agency so I was massively involved in that side of things however I was coming back into a team where other teams had also grown who I didn't know them. They didn't know me, which was kind of a weird thing when you're like the first employee and then you're like, oh, nobody knows me. Okay. Yeah, feeling I'm really like, awkward at lunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hello. And it, it was a different office, so it was a completely mm. new environment. And, and I, the buyout happened then? No, it, was no, like a, not it, was, okay. it happened later that year. Um, so I think that email kind of really gave people the clarity of, A, people knew I, if I was coming back, but we didn't even know I existed mm. prior to that email as well. Um, so I, I felt that really kind of helped me structure. However, I definitely still was like, oh, I don't really know where I sit. And I remember Kate taking me out for a drink and being like really kind of helping me through it, being like, this this is your, you know, you are such an integral part of this and you have to own that and remember it because, you you know, you just come back with a little bit of 
what am I doing? Imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah, and you can't That's, help it. It is though, imposter yeah. syndrome, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even though you knew, knew what you were doing before you went away and you still know what you're doing. Yeah, but... I definitely felt when I came back off maternity leave, like I've, I've spoken about this in our previous podcast about maternity, but I felt really raw and mm. really um, like I'd been in control and then I'd managed this pregnancy and I thought I was going to be able to manage coming back really well, but I actually felt completely all over the place and I felt like I just was wasn't being able to be present for anybody like not my baby not my Mm. work not my team that needed me nothing and I felt terrible um but I think I was trying to be all things to all people I think sending out an email and being like quite clear with like who you are what you're doing this is your new role it's a really good idea I tried to do I tried to give the guys when I came back off my second baby like a bit of a these are the days I'm going to be in this is the timing I'm going to be yeah I felt way more like a human coming back the second time round. it was slightly different because it was um we'd gone through a period of being really quiet when you had the baby to being super busy Um, so you'd not stepped away in the same Mm. In the same class too. Yeah. But also I knew like what what not to do. How did you feel like so when you had your baby Gemma, mm-hmm. what was your what what role did you then go into after you'd had her? So I I had to finish school. I had to finish the MBA. Okay. So six weeks after I gave birth, I was back in class. But it wasn't like a full time thing. It was sort of there were certain days I had to go in to complete all of my courses. Right. Okay. Um, and I remember going in and obviously had this like bump because it was six weeks postpartum. Mm, yeah. And guys being like, oh my God, you still got your bump. <laughs> <laughs> Come here and say that again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I couldn't. It, honestly, it, feel, it now feels like a dream because yeah. it was so an out of body experience. I was not ready to be doing no. that. I should never have put myself through it, but I was so yeah. gung ho determined to mm-hmm. get it all done. Um, but I did. I wanted to then work at Netaporter full time mm-hmm. and Lee was like, you don't know how you're going to feel after you have a baby, have your baby, mm. we'd love to have you back. Mm-hmm. So I think I went to, I started work for them nine months after I gave birth, after I'd graduated. And they were like, if you want to come on like a nine day or fortnight contract, you can, what's going to work with your child oh, wow. support? I mean, it was, yeah, it, it couldn't have been more... Supportive, supportive you know. and mm. flexible um considering it was a pre-covid time as well mm. um so i just had the best experience with with lee on on all that stuff so it's good great that's super positive it's really nice to hear because there, we hear obviously the good and the bad so mm. both of you have had kind of structured support and with you guys when you have been making hires have you ever like interviewed people that are pregnant or that you know because there is a decision that goes into making a hire of someone like you who was like, I'm just married and I'm probably going to be having kids soon. Like, do you take that into consideration? I know it's like, it's just one of those things where you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to need this person here for the next year because that's why I'm making the hire. Like, does it come into play for you or is it just like... No. You have to think long-term when you're hiring you do. people. Yeah, yeah, I, I that's the right answer. Yeah, <laughs> But it's so true though. How, how could you not hire somebody because you might not have them mm-hmm. for a period of nine to 12 months? I, know. I, I would never, ever do that. Yeah. There's so many freelancers now as well. If you found the right person and they weren't going to be around for six to nine months or yeah. a year, mm-hmm. you could get somebody to just sit in that spot for that time. And that's why people consult and freelance, right? Yeah. So We've play- put loads of people that are pregnant through interview processes like quite recently, haven't we? And yeah. we've placed a lot of pregnant people who are yeah. like, yeah. 
and businesses seem to be kind of more adept at it. But I also wonder if it's the fact that, yeah, people are at a certain stage in their career and they have the confidence to be like, well, you know, this is how good I am and this is what you're going to get. Or but when you're speaking to companies, how does it matter whether it's a man or a woman? Like, do you do you get a sense from them if they're having people in that process? When it's more junior positions in, in our previous kind of lives probably as headhunters that were dealing with more mid-level roles it yeah. probably made more of a because the in the management were, were lower level it probably made more of an impact because everyone's trying to prove themselves but once you get to like head of director and above people seem to be grown-ups because they're surrounded by people that are having also, families in some capacity they have kids themselves yeah. or, so and they know what it's, it's like different it also um, depends on the company because a lot of companies are very short-termists, especially those that are kind of in rapid growth when they just need bums on seats. I, it's those kind of companies, I imagine, aren't yeah. as, you know, they're like, yeah. we need this now, now. So to have it for a couple months and then not have it, that's the kind of the kind mm. of challenge. Yeah, I've just um, I've just placed a pregnant person in a marketing director role and they are a startup going for their Series A. And actually what they needed was this specific experience of somebody who's taken a brand through their Series A in terms of investment and it coincided with her pregnancy term and then she's going to come back in a completely different capacity and it's all kind of stars aligned. Everybody was really supportive of it. So it, do, it does depend on the business that you're recruiting for mm. at the time. Um, we always put people into the process at the same kind of at the same level as long as people are kind of willing to this is the other thing is like it depends on how far down the line people are with their pregnancy and if they're transparent with us because obviously there's yeah. some people that won't be willing to talk about it yet which is totally understandable mm. and some people that have might been might have been through the ringer with IVF or all sorts of different mm. things so uh, we always are really positive about it and champion kind of women going into the workplace that are, you know, having babies or people that are adopting or going through, you know, because there's lots of different things. We've been working with a couple of guys recently. One of them did surrogacy and one of them um, was adopting and, you know, they're going through exactly the same process. But then I think that also segues onto actually being a parent and kind of living it, but then managing... Ex everybody's expectations I'd like to mm -hmm. also talk about that because we were talking about sickness earlier mm -hmm. and all of us constantly picking up the bug so it's not even nothing to do with the pandemic because we've all been through that and that's all happened now but like when you're just dealing with like common colds and getting calls from nursery and things like that like how you manage your employer's expectations if you're having to like drop out of the conversation quite quickly like you know, with my daughter, for example, she loves getting sick. She just can't get enough of it. <laughs> like she is. It's her thing. It's her thing. She really loves it. But she's, I remember when she went to nursery when she was 10 months old, my first daughter, literally like the first week, it was like constant cowpole, constantly kind of coming home. And then I just felt like I was back in the office and I was trying to be present there, but I'd have to drop out and then go home and look after her. And then, you know, we've always got chest infections or this, that and the mm. other or blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you feel like you're having having to present this like super organized perfect self at work handling clients doing all of this but then I'll have to kind of drop out and then run home and kind of look after her like how do you guys do that like when you're um yeah it's a tough one I think when you've got the culture set to be very positive mm -hmm. and flexible yeah it's very easy because you have people above you who are saying if you've got to go you go mm -hmm. and you you go and that's it yeah I think for me, when I went into the role of actually being the boss, mm. it was different. And I 
reverted to type in a way, you know, from my sort of law lawyer yeah. background. And I sort of became the person who did everything and didn't really talk about being a mum and all of the real sh- like logistical shit that goes with that. Mm-hmm. And I just presented myself as, you know, I've got I'm this. the boss, I've got this. And someone said to me, really passing fleeting comment, didn't mean it in a negative way. Oh, it's as if you don't really have any kids. <gasps> That's heartbreaking. And it really, killed you, yeah. and I, it really made me go, right. Because you've been trying to just be like the best shiny example of yourself. Yes. So it made me go, okay. Oh. I loved what I, what I was a part of in S. Porter and that sort of positive culture. It's my job to mm. set that mm. and sort of lead that from the top and be the person who does talk about how hard it is to sometimes arrange logistics. And that doesn't mean that I'm not a good boss or a good leader. It just means that I have lots of things that I'm juggling and that's okay and sort of and you are your yeah. full self yeah. yes taking calls from my kid when she calls me if I'm on a work trip in front of in front of the team because that I'm you know my mm. kid wants to talk to me and I'm a mum and that's what you do so mm-hmm. I think I definitely opened myself up more after that yeah. mm. and I think it's good to show people that it's hard yeah you know not showing you, you don't want to be like the flappy mum that's like oh god it's so bloody hard all the time do you, you don't want to be that person but you also don't want to be like a robot it's like yes. getting that equilibrium exactly but I also think by being like that and acting like that you're making it not intimidating for people within the team to mm-hmm. think yeah. about pregnancy yeah. Yeah. and to not Absolutely. feel like oh can I stay here is this the right environment for me how am I going to make it work and I think yeah. you know the way that you talked about your previous boss being a role model you kind of have a bit of a duty to be a role model to you know, people within your team who are younger, who are thinking about getting married, who are thinking about mm-hmm. having a baby, are thinking about that next stage in their career, whatever it, at the next stage of having a baby, whatever that may be, that they feel like it's a safe place and yeah. a comfortable place yeah, to do that. Yeah, setting example in yeah. terms of leadership and if if our generation can't make it normal for women to have children at work then the generation beneath us are still going yeah. to struggle with that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, we talked earlier about... Um, about kind of age when you're thinking about having kids and I'm just wondering the next generation beneath us like what age is going to be the normal because I was we've just worked it out I couldn't remember I think I was 38 with my yeah I'm looking at Joe 38 yeah I was 38 and then I was 40 for my second one no so I must have been 37 37 and 40 that's what I was so which is like like I'm, I was classed as a geriatric for my second child, which was lovely. Um, so <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, what a word! That, I really no. want to do a campaign to abolish that word. Uh, yeah. Being called a geriatric mum when you're in your thirties, you're like, come on. So depressing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously we were like older than the generation above us. Did do you think if Gemma, if you hadn't have like fallen pregnant like without realizing, would you? Were you? Did you have it like in your mind that it was going to happen in the future or like? Um. No. That's a really hard question. Yeah, it is. I uh, I, I don't know how it would have happened. I don't know how I would have planned how it. How you would have planned it, yeah. And there's never a right time. There's never a right mm-hmm. time, yeah. especially when, you know, you and your partner have got full-on careers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm very thankful that it happened the way it did mm-hmm. because I've had a lot of people around me who've... Because you're quite analytical, so I suppose by the time you'd thought about it enough, you yeah. might not have, yeah... Yeah, I, I would have calculated yeah. that it's not a good idea. Like the dude off Selling Sunset. Anyone watch Selling Sunset? Yes, yeah, I yeah. Did. You were Jason off Selling Sunset. You would have just sat there forever. Still can't believe he made that decision. Oh my God, I wouldn't have lost Rochelle. I wouldn't have talked about G-Flip. I wouldn't have lost Rochelle. I were waffling. I mean, the second time I fell pregnant was a complete 
accident. Was it? Yeah. How do I don't even know? I was literally like the most planned person ever. I don't know how the hell people have accidents. Well, I mean, obviously have a shag, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's how it happens. Too much. Yeah. I found out I was pregnant two weeks into lockdown. Oh god. And I was like, this is the worst timing because yeah. you know the company I was working for at the time, we were completely pivoting on a on a pin in terms of what we were doing, and it was crazy. And I was like, I, I can't do this now. This is like the wrong time, but you know. They say there's no such thing as the right time. And mm. I made the decision to leave refinery and not have another baby at that point. When I was at refinery, mm. <clears throat> I'd have probably had my number two a bit in closer succession just to get it out of the way. Mm. But I made the decision to jump. Right? I made the decision to yeah. like not stay and, you know, potentially give up maternity leave, push it, push all the timings back. Um, and which is quite a scary thing, right? Because you can stay where you are. And, you know, the statistics you were showing earlier is lots of people do stay where they are because mm. it makes sense. But I felt, I loved Refinery, but I'd been there four years and I'd grown it and grown it and grown it. And I felt yeah. like I was ready for a new challenge and I just felt like my life was in limbo. I was like, I worked so hard my whole life in my career and now I feel like, well, I just have to hold on. And I was really, really struggling with, is this something I stay and do? Do I, you know, explore other opportunities? And make that kind of decision to push it. And ultimately, I decided to jump and push that back. But I didn't expect to fall pregnant yeah. so quickly. You know, I was in the new job for kind of six months and I fell pregnant as well. And I think there's an element of guilt that comes around with that, that you've kind of wasted people's time. And I think that's the kind of thing we need to eradicate as well. Absolutely. Because my life is way more important than one job and your family is more important than one job. And again, kind of setting that mm. example for, for the yeah. team is important. It's the PR around how you talk about being pregnant and mm. being a mom and all of those things. I, I was talking to one of my friends who doesn't work in the creative space. She's a, she's a psychologist and she was absolutely in bits thinking about leaving a job that had quite good maternity benefits. Mm. But she absolutely hated it. She was so unhappy. She was crying all the time. But she was like, but if I leave, I'll lose all of that. And I'm like, it doesn't matter, though. Like, But for me, as an outside perspective who deals with this all the time, it's quite easy to say that. But if, if you've got friends that are in jobs that they hate and they're just in because of this situation, do you think do you think people do just stay and stay and stay? Lots of people burn out and then just leave, don't they, when they've had kids and don't go back? Yeah, I mean, I've had friends who've been in crazy jobs struggling to get pregnant and they're like I'm taking 16 fertility pills a day and working oh 16 God, hours yeah. I'm wondering why the hell I'm not getting pregnant and had to quit mm -hmm. fell pregnant instantly and then I've had other people who've been in job other friends who've been in jobs and they've got really good maternity and they've just taken them a year to get pregnant and they're like but maybe next month but maybe next month but maybe next month and you know kind of said no to other great opportunities because they're holding up this kind of carrot dangling and mm. there's so much emotion going through kind of thinking about getting pregnant and 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 each month coming along and it's not happening and it's kind of like quite an emotional experience to then deal with that plus try and inject yourself into a new job and then potentially feel guilt that we shouldn't you know it's mm. it's I can see why it's people stay because it is it is a lot and it's a real kind of pivotal point point in your life mm. especially if you know you this is what you really want but then uh, what, what is also sad about that for me is that women in these situations won't take risks mm. and so for me sort of working a lot with early stage businesses and they're in desperate need of these like kick-ass women who've got great experience yeah. and you know in that sort of mid-30s range to really like grab hold of a business and help it grow and it's so hard to convince particularly women in this moment to leave a safe mm. we know that's our job yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like you know if an early stage business is showing they've got two years yeah. runway mm. How is that not 
that could be just as safe as you know because you could get made redundant you could get made redundant something could always go wrong with the job that you're in at the moment even if you think it's really safe you never know who's going to come around the corner and make your life hell in that job even if you like it loads at the moment it's always worth exploring opportunities I think probably 20% of the time when we approach uh, talent about a role if they start with the sentence it's not the the right time for me Mm. it's because they've just found out they're pregnant Mm. Um, and you can just never navigate what's going to happen mm. in your current workspace either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, mm. that's mostly when the conversation gets shut down. But also, when you drill down to it, people staying from maternity pay, which is, oh, what, three months, six months of salary. Like, dribbled, obviously, yeah. it's it's important and it's a, it's, a, it's a lifeline. But when you kind of think about how much money that is over the, the kind of mm. your career and how potentially jumping to another job with more money over a shorter period of time, you can actually make that money up again if it's a, if it's the yeah. right opportunity, yeah. if you've kind of got the right pay packet yeah. with it. Um, I'm curious to know about travel, your work travel. Like, mm. how do you guys cope with it when you have to be not present? Like, it's, you know, one night is fine, but when you have to do, like, a week away or anything like that, like, and it puts so much pressure on your partner... How do you guys cope with that? Did you have to do a lot of travel? Well, I, you're both laughing. <laughs> well, I mean, the pandemic's kind okay, of bye. taken that. Well, yeah, no, it was like staying in a hotel room for a night. I'm not being funny. That's actually I feels think, like a We've been like, yeah, yeah. this job where you have to do one or two nights in rural Wales, basically. Yeah. And um, so I thought this was going to be an obstacle, but the people that I'm approaching for it, both how they all have children. Rural so Wales sounds great. Yeah, they're literally like a hotel <laughs> for two nights in rural Wales. They all have small, small babies and a toddler, and yeah. I'm giving them the opportunity to go to Wales for a night mm. and sleep in, in a, a travel lodge. Oh God, imagine! <laughs> and they're all great. chomping at the bit yeah. to do it. I would be. I would literally be like, "What job is it? It doesn't matter. Absolutely <laughs> I'll no go problem. To Wales for a night. No yeah. Problem. Oh, it's for work. Oh, it's a promotion. Yeah." <laughs> there is there's guilt doing it yeah. traveling um and a hell of a lot of logistics oh my god the logistics um but yeah i think it's really important to to do it i, I do i think you need to have that time away well. yeah. get, get your head in the right place traveling on your own oh. is the biggest luxury i have ever had right now yeah being able to travel on my own so it's tough but i always come back and think i'm really glad that i've done that yeah and what about your like? Yeah, it's it, it, the the logistics is always like really hard. But then what about like not being present for anything to do with your kids? Like, do you? I mean, obviously you feel guilty, but is there anything where you've been like away and you've been like, oh my god, this is happening? Yeah, I think when you're away and, and they get sick, which they're always mm, sick, so they're that always, sick, yeah. always happens. I mean, I've never really gone away for more than two mm. nights, um, so it never feels like. Yeah, a, a big chunk. I know, you know if I've got a friend who travels to the states the whole time, so you know she's she yeah. goes there for three nights and she gets her red eye back, and you know you're straight back into it. So it's, that can be just really exhausting. That's probably the worst. Is literally like walking back into the house mm. and then just getting a toddler to like stuck on your face. Mm. And like, yeah, my daughter loves getting hand, foot, and mouth. And every time I go away, she all is is disgusting, and I always catch it as well. <sighs> I haven't got it at the moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she always gets that. Like I remember last time we went to Amsterdam back in like 2012, whenever mm. that was. <laughs> like, Look, we're going next week but yeah. yeah but we went and I had cystitis and then she had hand foot and mouth and then I caught it off her and then I got back and my husband was like just an eye twitching mess <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we managed it and he felt really proud of himself but yeah it's um it is yeah I do I I, I we tend to find that the people that are doing like the two weeks away are always guys it's never 
women that yeah. are, are doing I've, it because women will put their foot down and just be like I need to be present whereas guys will be like oh no I've got to do a work trip mm. yeah yeah. I've only done Monday to Fridays and most I've done mm. Um, I would love to have had a weekend as a part of that as well but you just yeah. can't justify yeah. it you, yeah. there's too much guilt no. um, yeah. so yeah I think we do find as well that especially within creative roles I think and you'll probably know this as, as well Kirsty is that when we are asked to recruit for creative directors or chief creative officers for brands that definitely want to have women at the helm there aren't that many to choose from because a lot of them have dropped out because the amount of work that you're expected to do mm. in a position like that, as well as with the roles that you do, Gemma, as well, the amount of work that you're expected to do, especially if you're client facing and you're expected to kind of demonstrate that, like, and you have, it, it, I was speaking to someone the other day, she was having to con cancel holidays constantly, never present for like Easter, not present for anything, totally stressed out and then trying to manage a child as well. So they just drop out and all they'll just go into consultancy. Mm. Both of you are consultants. <laughs> yeah, go yeah. into consultancy and we can't recruit the permanent people because there just isn't enough talent. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard. And I think, you know, agency culture specifically oh God, is really yeah. trying to look at it because they're really struggling. They've always really struggled to find kind of ECDs, creative yeah. directors and the kind of, the dropout rate's really high. That's why there is this huge population of like straight white guys, I think, mm. at, the, at the helm of big creative agencies doing all the work because there just isn't the women that are there to support because they've dropped out because the capacity, the workload capacity is just too high. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's as it. Well as I like think it's a bigger thing that needs to every, be Everything is like, it's just too hard because you naturally end up feeling guilty and taking yourself out of the equation I'm lucky enough that I work for myself so I don't have to worry about like yeah I can always take myself out of it but if I worked for someone else it was like or I was leading a business and I was ex being looked at by investors I don't know what I'd do but it's really important to be your authentic self I, I don't want to you know say these corny things but you you have She's to actually wearing a t-shirt saying authenticity <laughs> <laughs> you you've that's... got to own you've got to own it yeah and you know i put on my cv that i'm a mum because it's really important mm -hmm. for anybody who's looking at me and my background to know that that is a part of who i am yeah. i will take holidays i do need to take self-care moments because mm -hmm. being a ceo and having a family is a lot mm -hmm. and you've got to own that and it's only with more and more women owning it that we kind of get to sort of have an inflection point where it, it tilts. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're there yet. And having boundaries and going into a job, having boundaries yes. and feeling confident that you can have boundaries and being unashamed about having boundaries. And that's something I've definitely had to work on because I have absolutely no boundaries and definitely didn't pre-children. So having to come back and it's not about me, it's about it's about them and the kind of importance, mm. importance of that. And again, that kind of comes back to setting the example again, doesn't yes. it? Yes. And there's also the other to kind of challenge about the work that we need to do around paternity leave. Mm. Because I think if we can get to a world where paternity and maternity are the same amount of time, involve the same amount of time off work and career break, as it were, then mm. I think it's going to kind of change the narrative for everybody. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I found my husband worked at ASOS when we had our first baby and they have a fantastic policy there. And he took four months off with me. Um, I won't say it was the best of times <laughs> because <laughs> I had all my other friends that were like, oh my God, my husband's going back after work uh, after two weeks and I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, oh God, you poor sod, like this is awful. But then I was like, okay, so what are we doing today then? Mm. And we didn't have enough. But so it, 
I, I understand. I, I definitely think there's much more balance to be done, but I kind of feel like it's later in the process. Because it's not at the same time, is it? No, it's not at the same time, and it's kind of further down the line. Then, then it's being able to have flexible working about who's doing the drop off, who's who's doing the pickup, and those that kind of framework almost later. Definitely with the baby with some support, but like having, I I, I felt like the the paternity agreement that that we had when when my husband was at ASOS was so meant to be so positive but actually wasn't that useful you know like I, I I feel like if it was just more about educating businesses about how to how to ensure that dads are also the ones that get the call if you know there's yeah. something going on with the kid you know like and it might be them that has to drop out and go and collect them but I think paternity leave can set it up for having a more kind of equilibrium mm. because you're not the primary caregiver that knows everything and has the in, yeah. you know you know obviously yeah. you that you're intuitive once you've had the baby but then you're both kind of on this learning journey. If they can have it, you know, you have the first however month, many months and they can have... The second bit. Yeah, yeah, the second bit when they're a bit older and kind of less mum dependent, I suppose. Like yeah. That postpartum side of things. I think they feel that equal level of responsibility mm, yeah. and decision making. Because yeah. how do we get the mental load off women? Because it's, that's it, ultimately what it comes yeah. down to. It's like we're still doing our careers and figuring out what nurseries they're going to and the extracurricular and who's doing pick up and, and drop off. And if they need their wellies because they're going to forest school, which I forgot this And they've week. grown out their wellies yeah. and they need new wellies. Oh my God, like, the wellies. You know, always out of wellies. Um, yeah, I know they get worn once and then it's like a different season. Oh, no, oh no. God, wellie chat. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it is. But I think as women, you're naturally like an octopus. You're thinking about so mm. many multiple things at once and it's just the way that different brains are wired and it's just, that's why women are so great at being CEOs and leading teams because you can think of all the different areas and you can be empathetic and you can do all these things mm. but you just end up with just too much on your plate and you were both talking about self-care again before the podcast and you can implode after a while can't you mm. because you're presenting this image to everybody that you're coping and you're doing all these different things and then inside you're a bit like like I don't know it's just it's just hard sometimes I know I get home and then if my daughters need me I've kind of got nothing left sometimes yeah, hard, and it? like filling up that tank is hard yeah and yeah. mm. I, I remember reading I think it was in one of Alexander Shulman's books that you know you can have a great career you can be a great parent and you can have a social life but you can't probably have all three you've got no, to choose two of them fast cheat model but yeah. also i i fill up my my kind of like self by seeing other people and getting energy and having inspiring conversations Rachel's like that too yeah yeah i really need so one night a week i have to i have to meet up with um one night a week i have to meet up with a friend for yeah. dinner like and i really need that but then how do you then add in exercise and the other level oh, the of self-care thing i know it's, you know my therapist was like you may need to make sure you exercise i was like i've got no bloody time for that yeah. but i have got the chat though because i do work with my best mate so i'm really lucky that i have like like that yeah. that kind of side of things yeah. so i got yeah. a top tip from a school mum, which was and this is when kids are in school mm. is to plan your sort of exercise self-care moments in six week slots mm. to, to coincide with half term so it's like oh. right for the next six weeks i'm gonna do you know, this on a Monday and this on a Thursday, and mm -hmm. I'm going to book it in for the, that six-week period. That really, really helped me because I'm timing mm. it with the school calendar Yeah. Um, to plan, right, I've got to get to the gym at this point because this is my self-care moment or mm. go and see an, uh, a healer, <laughs> Yeah. as we were talking about <laughs> earlier. So, yeah, I think that, that was a great tip that I got, which has really helped yeah. me. That is really good, yeah, to actually just have a critical path of, like, yourself. Yes. Yeah. 
rather than it just being yeah always about the kids but actually have it for yeah that's a really yeah it's a good one actually isn't it yeah instantly goes online looks for healers and yoga classes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying, to, exactly. trying to fill up the tank with various different things but um oh yeah this is uh, this is something i wanted to ask you both in terms of your career trajectory do you think it affected your development and where you wanted to be like did are you where you i mean you're both in your a game so great but like is this where you thought you'd be or did you think you'd be somewhere different pre and post kids yeah I'm where I'm where I wanted to be yeah but I have to say that I really hurt myself in getting there mm. like I wasn't kind to myself I pushed what would you myself. have changed then would you have just taken a year out and I think give I think you've got this moment where once you once you get into a c-suite or a leadership role mm -hmm. If you don't do a terrible job, you kind of know that you're always going to be doing those sorts of roles. Yeah. So you're OK. But until you get that, you don't know when it's going to come. Mm -hmm. You don't know what that opportunity looks like. So you really are just grafting. Yeah. And I think I wish I'd been a bit kinder to myself in that grafting period. Mm -hmm. um, but, you but you know, hindsight's a powerful thing, as yeah. we said before. I can look back and say, wow, I should have just slowed down a bit. Does and that give you the time. empathy to empower other people, though? Yes. And help them get yes. there without killing themselves at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And I think when people say, oh, I just want to take a couple of years out and look after my kids. And I just think, just lean into that. Yeah. Don't just completely put it on ice. Don't worry about what will be coming back in two years time. Just really enjoy that moment. Mm. Because I didn't. And, I, you know, I do. I feel like I will regret that. When I allow myself to. It's very compartmentalised at the moment. Yeah. It's also backing yourself with that kind of invisible PR thing. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. if you know you've done good work in the past and you know you've got kind of a good reputation and you've been great to work with and work for and yeah. um, have have work for as well, that, you know, hopefully you can come back in. And yes, things change really quickly, but, you know, if you've been able to move with it before, it's just trying to back yourself that you'll be able to get back into it again. And people are very open to career breaks yeah now I, and I think it's actually I think a it's a thing yeah I think it demonstrates um kind of empathy and understanding of yourself and businesses that hire people like that know that that person's really wanting to work for them because they've taken some time out and they have actually kind of like yeah leaned into just enjoying being themselves and maybe yeah. having kids or even if they don't have kids just taking some time out and like doing some traveling and just you know doing doing whatever just doing something you enjoy rather than just graph 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 yeah. graph, graph graph and then burn out and it shows you're emotionally in tune with yourself as mm. well i think mm -hmm. oh no no i want a holiday yeah <laughs> <laughs> just, just got back um i yeah i'm curious to know what advice you'd give when you're speaking to your peers and your friends about if they're kind of considering having kids and they're holding off we kind of touched on it earlier but like if do you think that as as someone that's making those hires and also as someone that's kind of been through the process yourself is there anything that you would give as just a piece of advice to someone that's like waiting and waiting waiting to make that decision there's never a right time i yeah. mean ultimately <laughs> there's literally never a right time there's always other job opportunities there's always potential promotions there's there's just always something that could stop you um mm. if it's what you want to do then you just kind of have to lean into it and you never know what's going to happen mm. you know we're dealing with a whole array of unknowns mm. with when it comes to kind of fertility having children it, it, you just don't know until you start doing it and you don't know how you're going to react like a bit back to what your boss said it's like wait to see what you have how you have the baby i've got yeah. friends who were like 
I'm definitely going to go back to work. I'm mm. definitely going to go back to work. And then didn't. And I've also had friends who are like, I want to be at home. And they're like, oh, this is really hard. I want to get back <laughs> yeah. to work, which we- can be like a spa break compared to being home with the kids because it's really, yeah. it's, it's a hard it's a hard job. It, I mean, yeah, it's definitely like a spa break being back at work. Mm. But with with you, Kirsty, I know that you, uh, your baby, your second baby was premature, right? Mm. Did that sh- change the shape of how you decided to go back to work? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I probably didn't realise everything that was going on at the time. Mm. Um but what I, you know, I, I, I'm not averse to going back into a full-time position. As I said, like, it's got to be about the right culture. And did I see myself consulting? I've always worked mm. in-house and I really mm. love leading a team and I really love being part of something and I really love having a vision and driving everybody there and I love mentoring people and I really you miss that energy, side of yeah. it. Mm. But ultimately, the consulting right now is was the best solution mm. for where I'm at with my family and you know having young kids and wanting to be able to see them having flexibility you know the pandemic has changed a lot about how we view things and the balance I mean not necessarily I would say consulting gives you always balance because you have crazy projects that are mm. quite intense so I think it's the escape hatch though you know that you can like leave you don't have to 100%. give your whole soul to it and you can always walk away yeah there's mm. a kind of that end vision so you don't get kind of this mm. kind of like stress of like oh my god we've got we've got to get everybody there but you know there's there's real pros and pros and cons for both mm. and while I'm learning I'm, would I be learning more and you know learning is my thing that I love to do I love to go to new places mm. and really get new skill sets and understand new businesses and I feel like there's a little bit of me that's potentially deprioritizing myself and what fills my cup compared to what my family need as well and it's mm. that balance that's really difficult and mm. you know I, I won't be consulting forever but for right yeah. now it's no, we talked about this earlier. It's like I, for me, it's like a correction course. Like yes. you listen to some people talk about it, and they're very formulaic. And I, I don't, I don't apply that to life. You know, sometimes mm. I'm really in the moment and present, and sometimes I'm not. And I have to pick up on cues from my daughter, my partner, who will sometimes politely tell me that I'm not in the moment and I have to sort of put everything away and then really focus on it so I think Mm. yeah it's a constant correction course Mm. for me I can't um call it anything other than that there's too much going on I love the word correction course I think that's amazing it kind of yeah it's I I think it's a really good phrase and I will adopt it now so that was a really interesting conversation (laughs) thank you so much both of you for joining us I really really enjoyed that um it's a really interesting conversation that's never ending mm. and um, it's never solved it's never solved <laughs> and certainly there's so many issues that we pro- we can't really kind of delve into about childcare and all of those different things but it, it was incredible just learning about your journeys and your thoughts and just thank you for being so open about everything really appreciate it yeah, of course thank you thanks for having, thanks us. For having us no worries